Ahoy there, Frighteneers. Troll Pal Lono here with a bonus episode of your favorite podcast, We Belong Dead. This is the first ever appendix to an episode we've ever done. Um, what you will hear is uh, a conversation between myself and a frequent guest of the show, Stephen, uh, also known as Corey Loomis uh, in the indie wrestling circuit. Uh, discussing the life, career, and influence of Toby Hooper. Um, when we did the Toby Hooper Legacy episode, Stephen uh, messaged me and asked if he could be, uh, if he could contribute and be a part of it. And I said absolutely. Uh, Toby Hooper had a profound influence. Uh, Toby's work had a profound influence on Stephen, as it did many of us. And of course, I was more than happy to have Stephen on uh, to share his memories and how. Uh, uh, the influence of Toby Hooper uh, helped form him into the horror geek that he is today that we know and love so very much. So please enjoy this continuation of the Toby Hooper Legacy episode with Stephen, a.k.a. Corey Loomis. <laughs>
Toby was one of the directors that I don't think I knew his name for a while. Like I knew his movies long before I knew who he was. Like I had heard about Texas Chainsaw Massacre since elementary school. And you know, when you're a kid and you're getting your information about horror movies from other kids, it's like fishing stories essentially. Like, oh, it's the bloodiest movie I've ever seen. People are getting their heads cut off. Like I had this I just thought it was going to be, like, a horror show. Like, you're going to see people getting skinned alive. You're going to see people getting their heads sawed off with a chainsaw. And just the name Texas Chainsaw Massacre with no context. I just assumed, like, people are eating dinner and this dude's busting in a house with a chainsaw just hacking up families. Like, because in my mind, that's terrifying. Um, Do you have a theory? Ian makes fun of me, but for years I've had this, like, curiosity. Mm -hmm. And aside from all the, like, huge reasons that I'm upset and bummed that Toby passed away, one of the trivial ones is that I may never know the answer to why there's a space between chain and saw in the original. Right. I'm going to assume... Typo? Typo, or they just didn't know how to spell it. <laughs> that could, yeah. Because, you true. know, pre-Google days... That's true. Unless somebody's carrying... Yeah, yeah, unless somebody's carrying around a dictionary. Thesaurus, you know. That's true. You may not know, although I'm sure there were there were chainsaws on set, and something had to say chainsaw on it, so I don't know. Did you ever read uh, Gunner's book? I read a lot of Gunner's book. I didn't read all of so it. So good. Yeah, and God bless the people who made that movie, because that didn't sound fun. Yeah. Um, so w- once you did, once you were able to put a face with the name, mm-hmm. I'm sure that at some point you watched... Uh, interviews or special features or commentary tracks or something involving Toby. How, what did you think about him, like as a guy, like thinking of this is the guy who created the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then like kind of semi getting to know him through like Ifirma, you know? It's almost like the same effect I had with Wes Craven. Like, how the fuck did that come out of this guy? Because, I mean, everybody I know that's into horror are just normal people. They're not like crazy, you know, like, I don't know, stereotype of a, what you would imagine, like, a horror fan is, I don't know, <laughs> that's a terrible yeah. thing, but, like, it was not a bunch of, like, guys that look like Necro Butcher, yeah, <laughs> like, no, he just looked like a normal dude, and he, like, knowing his affinity for, like, cigars and Dr. Pepper, like, it's so endearing, he, he I don't know, I never got to meet him, that's a bummer. Like, I didn't get to meet Wes Craven. And that kind of makes gives me more incentive to actually go to horror cons because, I don't know, it, they had been around my whole life. And they had been around, like, well before my life. So, like, you just kind of take them for granted. And, like, the same with Romero. Like, it's funny. Like, I didn't realize for the longest time that Romero had a ponytail. <laughs> and that, like, blew my mind the first time he turned his head. I was like, what the fuck? Um, but like, I don't know, just little things like I would love to just, I almost have like with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, I almost imagine that had to be like when Joe Dante got to do Gremlins 2. Like, <laughs> all right, fuck it. I'm going to do whatever. Did you see they added Zach Galligan to uh, yeah. Scares the Care? Yes. Yeah. That makes me very happy. Um, so what, what did you, what? first went through your head when you heard about Toby's passing? That it was a bummer and that I feel like 
he was kind of like Romero in that he didn't like Craven stayed like in the limelight pretty much his whole life like he was still working on the screen TV show as a producer I don't know how hands on he was but he was still doing something very mainstream up until his death and like he had that movie something about my soul to take or something I never saw but yeah, that like that had a lot of press and stuff when it came out but like he's the Craven stayed within the studio system yeah but like yeah. Hooper and Romero it was like straight to DVD and he kind of had to search it out and it was like if video stores were still around they would have been more prominent because it would have been on display but like right. Best Buy doesn't even really have a DVD section anymore Lately, since they remodeled Jesus, it's like yeah. nothing and Target and like Walmart they have whatever but like if you're not on the internet going to websites or reading Facebook posts or listening to podcasts, you just miss out. And I feel like, for whatever reason, we... I think we got cheated out of a lot of good movies. Like, a lot of good ideas. And maybe he didn't want to make big studio movies. I mean, that's... And I same with Romero. But, like, I just... I have to think there's, like, Ghost House or one of these... Blumhouse. Yeah, Blumhouse. Or one of these smaller but still mainstream production companies, they had to have had the thought in a meeting, like, all right, we need to put out this many horror movies this year. Well, what about if we reach out to Hooper or Romero or something? And yeah. I don't know why no one did. Yeah. And, again, they could have. Who knows? But I feel like that's what Mick Garris was trying to do mm -hmm. with Masters of Horror. Right. And they just, they just shut him down. I don't, it's, you know, I've, I've talked about this, like, the old Mavericks who proved themselves mm -hmm. in the 60s and 70s who who are are still around or were around until not long ago like I can't find a reason yeah like I can't pinpoint a reason that that studios aren't like hey make a movie for us right you know I don't get it I especially get it in like today like a guy like, like Joe Dante right like, how much money has he made for studios? In this day and age, you can these studios can put the movies straight on digital. Like, yeah. you don't have to do big theatrical releases, but you straight to Netflix, whatever. Yeah. And, like, Romero, it bothers me. Like, I don't know that he did because I don't keep up with the show, but how was he never reached out to to direct an episode of Walking Dead? You've got, like, yeah. the zombie guy and, like, the show that tons of people watch. Why would, like... Just they could have promoted that, and they would have got people who didn't give a shit about the show to tune in. That's true. I know. I don't think he was a big fan of Walking Dead. That's so. It wouldn't surprise me if they did offer, and he was like, "I don't want to go down." That makes more. sense. But I don't. I don't know for sure. Yeah, I, I hadn't talked to. George well, like in Toby quite a Hooper, while. there was that Scream Queen show. He could have done an oh, episode yeah. of that, or there's. Um, well, Toby did quite a bit of TV. Like he proved himself in TV too with a. Uh, he did a, a, some amazing stories episodes, mm -hmm. uh, Freddy's Nightmares. Uh, he was responsible for Freddy's origin story of Freddy's Nightmares. Right. Uh, that with, was the Robert pilot. Lynn. It may have been the pilot. It was near. But yeah, that was all Toby. I mean, I mean not all Toby, but you know, I mean, it's a real proving ground. And I'm wondering if it all stems back to Poltergeist because I know there's some I like that too. I know. would love to get like a real story because there's a billion different things, but yeah. like someone has to know. For sure, I like how Mick Garris put it. What did he, he like? Pretty he like issued a statement essentially through his podcast, like saying, "Look, this is how it is," mm -hmm. and um, 
completely going to bat and then sticking up for Toby and that whole thing. While at the same time, like, not hiding from the fact that Spielberg had a lot to do with that movie. But, like, sticking to his guns of, like, Toby was credited as director of Poltergeist and should have been credited as director of Poltergeist. He was talking about how Spielberg was there constantly Mm -hmm. and... Like, celluloid is, like, grafted into Spielberg's skin so much that there's no way that he can just sit back and watch somebody else direct a movie that he's involved in. Right. And Toby was so new, and it was his first studio outing, mm-hmm. that Spielberg would kind of bulldoze over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it kind of related to me, because I remember early in directing local TV news, like at uh, telethons, mm-hmm. Will would do the same thing to me. Like, I would be the director, he was the producer, mm-hmm. but when we would get into that first cut in, he would direct the show. And I would be like, oh, well, what am I, why right. am I here, you right. know? But yeah, you should either listen to, or I know they released a written mm-hmm. version of the oh, Harris thing. look that up. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's ever going to be, like, legitimately put to bed, is I think there's always going to be two camps. Yeah. But yeah, getting back to Toby... <laughs> I I enjoy talking to you about horror so much that like it's hard to narrow right, down right. On one thing. Um, so Texas Chainsaw Massacre, nineteen seventy four. Mm-hmm. What led up to you finally? I'm I'm guessing you touched on it a little bit earlier. It's probably it sounded like it was a lot like my experience with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where like it was the thing of legend long before you were a horror geek. Yeah. And even after I became a horror geek, it was like the one title that Mm -hmm. I was kind of scared to even, like I kept putting it off. Right. And I think what finally made me take that final step was, I've talked about on the podcast before, that documentary Boogeyman. Mm. Because there was the, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre portion of that. And, uh, Robert England was just talking about it and talking about Gunnar Hansen and I was like this looks it's in the day (laughs) like this is all happening during the day this is and there's something about that that is still one of my favorite things that they don't do in horror enough is if you can scare me in the day it is really really effective yeah um because anything is scary at night a cat running like I can get out of my car at night and a dog can run through my yard and it's startling um, yeah, with Chainsaw, like, off the bat, as soon as you meet Edwin Neal, mm-hmm. <laughs> as soon as he gets in that yeah. van, you're like, oh, fuck. And this is weird. <laughs> yeah. But, like, in another, like, he, yeah, Leatherface is wearing the human skin mask, whatever, but, like, compared to, like, Jason or Freddy, it's not horrifying just to see. Mm-hmm. To me, anyway. Because he's wearing, like... The butcher's thing, right? You know, it's there's nothing about Leatherface in that movie to see him and think that's terrifying. But everything is so well done. The sound effects, all the movement, like him slamming the door, him chasing her down the driveway, the scene in the, uh, I guess the, it's not really dining room. It is a dining room, I guess. Yeah. Um, whatever that room is, um, like. There's, it became a dining room. Yeah, and that's what I go back to when I say I hate jump scares and stuff. Mm. You don't need that. Like, just build an atmosphere and build tension and just shock me with movement and images. Because and, there's violence, but there's very little blood or Yeah, that's the thing. Or, I let um, Seth borrow mm-hmm. a bunch of horror movies for October. Mm-hmm. See, his, he's 
not a horror movie guy at right. all. He's not. He hasn't seen Night of the Living Dead. He hasn't seen Chainsaw. Oh wow! Like I, I let him borrow all this stuff. My plan is because uh, he has like two days off mm-hmm. right now. I'll see him again on Monday, and my plan is to um, record him giving his thoughts as like <laughs> a non-horror guy. Wow! The first time seeing these movies while they're still fresh in his head. I'm hoping that it'll be like funny and entertaining. Yes, but. Oh, what was I getting to with that? Just the violence and the lack yeah, of Yeah, I was telling I was gore. telling him like you're gonna come away from this movie feeling like you've seen a gory bloodbath mm-hmm. but you really haven't. No. Like it's so brilliantly done. Like I think the goriest thing in there is when he Leatherface cuts his thigh. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a a fair amount of blood spatter when uh, Franklin gets it. Yeah. But you're so happy about him Well, dying. even like when he cuts his hand or whatever, that's yeah. so bright. I don't think I could do that to myself. <laughs> it's <laughs> like technicolor blood. Yeah, it it's is. not like it doesn't look... It's a well-done effect, yeah. though. Like, the burble. I always talk about the burbling mm-hmm. on it. Like, it just... It is, but like... But it's even, such a simple bulb on the end of a dull razor. It's not super realistic, no. but it's effective. And just the horror on everybody's face in that... Yeah. Well, Ed Neal is super realistic in that. His portrayal of the hitchhiker, I think, mm-hmm. is like what shook me. Is like, this is a guy that's out there. Yeah, that's like, exactly what I expect every time I drive past a hitchhiker. Like, <laughs> yeah. I expect it's that dude just in a different body. Do you have a Franklin impression? Everybody does. I just don't think I can do I can't do a good Franklin. It'll be fun, Franklin. <laughs> God, I hate Franklin. I don't hate Franklin as much as I hate Shelly. I fucking hate Franklin. Oh, wow, you take, you take Shelly oh, over Shelley Franklin. Oh, is my least favorite horror movie character <laughs> oh, ever. Oh, come on, Steven! Outside of... He's just trying to have fun. He sucks. The woman in the uh, in the mist sucks, but she gets her, so fuck her. Yeah. I guess Shelly gets his, too. We named our pipe in the studio Shelly. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Shelly. You gave uh, Jason his mask, so good job. Did you see the uh, Fright Rags? 24? Yeah, that pissed me off. I'm like, really? Can I get a Roy shirt? Yes. Because I would wear I would a fucking a Roy, Roy shirt. shirt. They have a Roy shirt at um, Walmart. Really? Friday the Thirteenth shirt, and it's it's a shitty. It's a Walmart shirt. It's like seven right, bucks, yeah, yeah. but it's the Friday. The, it's the, the Roy mask. mask. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, because I was like, no one who buys this is gonna know that's not Jason Voorhees. No. That's and, awesome. Yeah, I was happy about. It. I'm like, I should buy this because I'm never gonna find fucking Roy merchandise. Yeah. Um. So is Chainsaw is Chainsaw one like one that you try to revisit every year, or every couple of years? Yes, every couple of years. It's it's hard because you feel like you feel dirty after you watch it because it you feels do. real. Yeah, and Toby, I, I don't have any specifics. I don't know his like the methods to his genius, but it's one of those one of the few movies for me that you watch it, but you feel like you're interacting, like you feel like you're one of them. Mm-hmm. And you can't escape. Right. <laughs> it's like one of those movies that if they ever somehow create like smell vision in <laughs> right. uh, TV where you can feel like the hot air yeah. from like the sun, like you would be there. That's yeah. all it's missing is the smell of the rotting flesh in Texas and then just heat. And you're in there. Yeah. Uh, okay, in 1981, he brought us The Fun House. Yeah, I love The Fun House. 
uh, underrated, I think. Yeah. Screen it, Factory helped it a bit. It was one of their first titles, and I think that kind of bumped it up for a lot of people. But One you just don't see, too. Yeah. Like, I saw it on <coughs> Independent Film Channel last year. I don't know that I've ever seen it on TV since. Mm, I've never seen it on television. Um, it's on. It's streaming on Stars right now. Nice. Um, so I'm guessing Stars airs it. I have like Stars. I have um, Sling TV. Oh, nice. I added Stars because um, it's cheap. Um, but uh, Frankenstein Monster Mask. That's cool. brilliant. Yeah, it's fucking brilliant to cover that creature with a Frankenstein mask. Mm-hmm. And it's so. I don't know. It's such a good backdrop because. Little carnivals are shady as fuck anyway. Oh, we take yeah. Brody to the Fireman's Fair every year. And, and we think they're shady now. Yeah. Imagine in 81. Yeah, you know, in the 70s. Yeah. Like, we went to one last year. It was the Fireman's Fair. And the guy, like, operating whatever shitty ride we rode, had, like, the pack of cigarettes in the sleeve rolled up. and He, he was, was from the fun And up. he was smoking a cigarette as he's operating the machine. And I'm like... Pretty sure that's illegal, A. And B, you are 30 years too late for your job. And C, can I interview you for my podcast? <laughs> yeah. Can I get a picture with you? <laughs> At least. The Last True Carney. But no, that's a great <laughs> freaking movie. It is. Um, it's, one, it's one that more people need to watch, and I think a lot of people that are more casual horror fans don't realize that it's a Toby Hooper film. Yeah. I think that happened a lot in his career with casual like mm-hmm. film and horror fans. Uh, from that to like Life Force and Invaders from Mars, a lot of people don't realize that was Toby. That was the same guy that did Texas Chainsaw. And I don't, I just don't know that his name was ever out there as much. Like everybody knows Wes Craven, everybody knows Romero for the mm-hmm. most part. I, John Carpenter. You, yeah, because you know yeah. Halloween. Um, but Hooper, like everybody knows Leatherface. You right. can't go to a fucking Walmart without seeing a Leatherface mask. Everybody knows the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, people, I feel like you could get them to name drop Gunnar Hansen before Toby Hooper. It's possible, yeah. And uh, that's just weird to me. Toby's genius overshadowed him mm-hmm. in a lot of regard, I think. Uh, Toby, like we're buddies. <laughs> um, uh, you said you hadn't seen Life Force. You, you hadn't seen Invaders from Mars? Uh-uh. Okay. Uh, okay, so now the big one that you were really uh, excited to talk about, uh, his episode of The Equalizer. Yes. Oh, God, The Equalizer. <laughs> I can remember eating Chef Boyardee dinosaurs and meatballs and watching The Equalizer. In 1986, Toby returned to uh, his first feature. Yep. Well, his first released feature um, to continue the story of the, uh, of the family. With the Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Mm-hmm. Let right. it rip. Okay, <laughs> so this is the story of how I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Um, my friend Chris from high we've been friends since middle school. Um, the summer it had been the summer before ninth grade, so after eighth grade, um, his grandpa would go out once a week to like New London Tractor because he lived like on a farm and he would get farming equipment or whatever. And when he was over there, he would drop us off at Collector's Lair when it was still in that house over on Timberlake. I remember that. Um, and we would always, like, trade in a PlayStation game or whatever and pick up something new. Well, I traded in whatever. Then I got, like, Silent Hill and some other video game, and I still had, like, three bucks left over. And I was like, well, what can I get for three bucks? And the guy's like, we got a bunch of movies up front. You can probably grab a couple of those. 
So I'm like, all right, and I'm looking through it, and I'm not seeing anything, and then I see Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and it's like the side label was like, it's burgundy. Um, and I'm like, fuck, I've never seen the first one, but um, I've always heard of it, but it's the second one. It's got to be great, not knowing that in horror sequels typically have not a damn thing to do with the original. Um, so I, you know pull it out and look at look at the front cover and it's just Dennis Hopper in a cowboy hat with a chain. Oh, the VHS cover. Yeah. yeah. And I look at the back and not a lot of information either, but I'm like, whatever. I've never seen the first one, but I've always wanted to, so I'm going to watch this. So, you know, get that and we go back to my friend Chris's house and we pop it in and it starts off and these two frat douchebags are driving their car around or whatever. We're like, what the fuck is this? Like, Bright lights, big titties. Right. <laughs> and we're just watching it. And like, alright. And they cut off the truck and we're, we're laughing because we're stupid idiot kids. And then it's, you know, nightfall. Alright, fuck yeah. And the truck shows back up and won't let them cross the bridge. And we're like, oh shit, what's going on? And then... The body starts dancing. Nubbin starts dancing on the back of the pickup truck. And we're like, what the fuck is going on? And the kids are freaking out. Turns around, and it's Leatherface. And just from the moment he saw the dude's head in half, I'm like, holy shit, I'm fucking in. This is what I've been expecting. This is what Texas Chainsaw is. And then, like, it just goes fucking bananas. They're in an abandoned carnival or whatever underground amusement park um in chop top holy christ from the time bill mosley shows up he just steals every fucking scene um hey can you play uh that uh and i got a gavita just oh fuck i love him so much like i've been in love with him since that like for me like yeah i love robert england kane hotter but bill mosley and um why am I fucking Brad Dourif are like my mm. two favorite guys in horror. Um, even though Brad Dourif, the older he gets, the more he's just becoming Jack Nicholson. Just his voice, yeah. Like Chucky is just like, hey, yeah. Now, yeah. Um, but Bill uh, Mosley is Chop Top is one of my favorite characters in any horror movie. Um, That's respectable. Just my Sonny Bono way, <laughs> and just where he's like lighting the fucking metal coat hanger and just peeling scabs off and licking it and just then LG just getting a hammer to the fucking head and getting his skin just that movie is so brutal but also hilarious like the only other movie I can think of that did that effectively is like House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects where you're rooting for and kind of in love with these psycho awful people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Bill Mosley's in both of those, so there you go. But it's also a good comparison in like the tonal shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, because Chris... to your average viewer, uh, to your average, you know, or not your average, but like your below average viewer, I guess House of a Thousand Corpses isn't that funny, right? But like compared to Devil's Reject, Devil's Reject is a much more serious, mm-hmm. a grown up film. Yes. And it's kind of the opposite with Chainsaw and Chainsaw 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, D- Devil's Rejects is more his Chainsaw 1. And yeah. Cor- but, like, even Chris Hardwick's character in um, 
the last time I liked Chris Harper. Oh, I know. <laughs> in House of a Thousand Corpses, and my favorite thing is how Rob Zombie pitched that character to him. He's like, hey, I'm writing this character in a movie, and it calls for a guy that's kind of an asshole, and I thought of you. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fucking beautiful. But Chris Hardwick's character and um, Rain Wilson's character are kind of toned-down versions of those two douchebag guys from Chainsaw 2. Yeah. And even, like, just the lighting and camera work. The art design. It almost reminds me of a canon film. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, absolutely. it's Lionsgate. I, well, I don't know who originally, because that movie was, like, development. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. It ended up with Lionsgate. Yeah. yeah. But that that could be a canon film. And, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, Chainsaw 2 was just... I don't there's know. There's no, there's like, it gets slow burn. There's no burn no. to Chainsaw Two. When it starts, it just fucking starts. Yeah, and, and it just doesn't explodes. stop. Like yeah. I, I try to explain to people, like an effective horror movie to me is like a roller coaster. You know, you, <coughs> you come out, you go up that first hill really, really slow, and then you drop, and it's all crazy. And then you take a couple of turns, and you go back up another hill. And then you start building speed up again, and then you, you know, go full speed, and then you slam on the brakes at the end. But, like, this is just, like, one big drop, and then a couple of twists and turns, and another couple of drops, and it slams on the brakes. Because there's no real closure. Like, I guess Leatherface dies, but doesn't die. Um, yeah. Lefty dies, I'm assuming. Um, I don't know that Chop Top dies. Yeah. Um, Stretch doesn't die. She just loses her damn no, Stretch mind. ought to be carrying on in Chainsaw 3 yeah. as the matriarch of the family. Yeah. Don't know why that didn't happen. I don't know why either. Like, like I have my issues with Chainsaw 3, mm-hmm. but I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. It is watchable, and I, I love Jeff Burr. I think he's like mm-hmm. the red, red-headed Harry's. stepchild of uh, horror. Right. Um, but there, there were... It was yeah. There were so many better directions they could have taken right. the franchise. At time and time again, like every time they revisit. Was that, that even in Texas? Because it's like in a fucking swamp. So it's like yeah, the Louisiana Chainsaw sure. Massacre. Yeah. And then four. I don't know what four is the best. <laughs> I don't even know what four. I always talk about having. Um, I liked Matthew McConaughey in that. I have respect for part four because. It was Kim Hinkle, mm-hmm. who co-wrote the original mm-hmm. with Toby. There I go again. All right. <clears throat> you know Kim and Toby. Yeah. I know My Kim. old roommates. Um, but it was Kim Hinkle taking it in the direction he saw it. And I got to respect that, right. being the guy who co-wrote the original. And he tried to form a weird conspiracy theory Illuminati answer to what the family was. Right. And I thought that was kind of cool and very, like, uh, uh, risky to do. It didn't work out. It didn't pan out. And I didn't like it, but I just, there's something about, like, the chutzpah of, actually just being like, you know what, fuck it. This is what I think. Right. I do think that Texas Chainsaw is one of those weird horror franchises kind of like um, Hellraiser, where each film is... Com- well, I guess after Hellraiser, like, two and three is when it starts to kind of go yeah. crazy. But, like, they're so completely different. Tonally, yeah. visually, everything. Um, and I respect that about it. Yeah, I like, do, too. I, uh, Hellraiser... Hellraiser? Hellraiser. Hellraiser is one of those franchises that, like... 
even some of the shittier mm-hmm. like later sequels are very watchable. I, I liked I really the one that's them. like a film noir. Yeah, that one was very cool. Yeah, because it was like, this is just Cenobites, like <laughs> sandwiched in. But was that the one it, with the cult? It was one. It took place a lot in like it was like a a private investigator, and it took place a lot in a motel. And I just remember okay, everything yeah. being very green in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of green lighting. There was that one, and then the cult one was another one. Yeah. That I thought was very good. And I thought Hell World was very good. That was the one that was, like, the RPG game. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really I mean, creative. I like that they tried different yeah. stuff, because I'm not a huge Saw person, and mm-hmm. I think the reason was was because I got so desensitized after a point that it was like the story became so secondary. It's all about the kills, and, like... right. There's only so many ways you can kill somebody in a movie. I still maintain that the first Saw is one of the most original oh, and I do too. amazing films of the past 25 yeah. years, easily. Um, but yeah, that, that's one that, yeah, I agree with you there. We're, again, though, we're getting off topic. Right. Um, but no, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is, God, that's like a top three horror movie for me. At what point did, did it... Did you come to the re- realization that Nubbins was the hitchhiker? God, that was way after the damn like so many viewings after <laughs> the, the same fact. Way. Because in my mind, for some reason, for a while, and it didn't make sense, but I was just always like, Judge Chop Top is the hitchhiker," <laughs> because you just replace one psychopath with another right. one. But then when you're like, "Oh, he was in Vietnam," right? Nomland, right? Like. <laughs> Just spraying, walking, just him running, walking around, spraying a fire extinguisher in the air, and oh god, that movie's insane. But yeah, like little things like that, and Franklin's skeleton on, just hanging out in the hall. <laughs> yeah, that that's a really touching moment. Yes, with Dennis Hopper and Franklin. I'm so happy that the flashlight still worked long <laughs> enough for him to see that. Also, like the unsung hero. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean. Bill Mosley is amazing. Mm-hmm. Ed Neal was amazing in the first one. Gunner was awesome. Bill Johnson did his own thing and put his own mark on it, which I thought was fine. Um, but the unsung hero is Jim Seadow, man, yeah. as the cook. That yeah, guy, that guy. I would kill to killed to have been able to meet him, you know, before he passed. Just so nice. Just such a character. <laughs> he gets a chainsaw up the ass too. Just God. Look what your brother did to the door. Don't call me on this phone. Yeah. <laughs> and the fucking Winnebago yeah. not even looking at the road. Oh, it's so That's great. That's just one of those peppercorns. <laughs> it's a fucking toe bone, sir. It's the meat. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. I think that's where your viewing stops. Well, there's Poltergeist. Oh, I skipped Poltergeist, didn't we I? We did. Yeah. Yeah, let's get into Poltergeist. I have a weird history with Poltergeist. Okay. I saw it at a young age, and it did nothing. Like it didn't Really? Scare. Yeah, I don't know why. So I had in my mind for the longest time that Poltergeist wasn't a horror movie. You got the evil in you. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Like, I saw it, and I don't know. That movie fucking ruined me as right. a kid. And, like, everybody I knew, like, that's... Lauren, that's one of her favorite movies. And I remember when we first started dating, she was talking about, oh, I love Poltergeist. I'm like, really? The movie sucks. And she's like, are you sure you've seen it? And I'm like, yeah, about 
they have the house, and there's the pool, and the skeletons come up in the pool, and the chairs move around. And John around. Ritter moves in with those two girls. <laughs> right. And the landlord, he has to pretend His he's His landlord's gay. that little lady, you know. Done nuts, the little right. lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just remember being like, I don't, and there's a clown that like pulls the kid under bed, and the girl watches TV. What's scary about this shit? <laughs> And she's like, you need to watch that again. I'm like, all right, I'll watch it again. So watched it, and I'm like, all right, I don't know what, like, I don't know what was wrong with me the day I watched this, or if I was just... ripping his face off in the mirror. Don't know if I just didn't pay attention or what, but I'm like, okay, this is effective. This is creepy. Yeah. Um, And another perfect casting. Um, Oh, Craig T. Nelson? Yeah. Yeah. Coach. That's what he was doing before he started coaching in Minnesota and got remarried. <laughs> I mean, I'd remarry after that, too. Yeah. Um, I definitely moved to Minnesota. Yeah. Um, oh, dauber. I Was that supposed to just be like a commentary on suburban life? That's a good question. Because I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, like, the hidden agenda may have been kind of uh, behind closed doors, mm-hmm. like... Like kind of like what David Lynch does with most of his films is like the Norman Rockwell painting of the perfect American family, but then when you peel away the layers, you see the the shit that's really going on. Right. I think it was maybe like a supernatural. Okay. Undertaking of that. Sure. I, why not? Right. Where do you land on the Toby Steven Spielberg debacle? All right. Since I, I, I there is no wrong answer. Right. I think that whatever anyone thinks. It is, looks like a Steven Spielberg movie. Like it, does. it looks like he was shooting E.T. at the same time as he was shooting this. Like yeah. he just turned his camera around and was pointing down a different street. Like it's kind of like how in my mind they're completely different movies, but Beetlejuice and um, Edward Scissorhands like bleed together. Like okay, yeah. the set design same and director. stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of the same thing. I can't unsee Steven Spielberg when I see. Uh, but then there's shots like the pool stuff mm-hmm. and like the clown. Yeah, that's very like uh, that's, the beginning of Chainsaw One. The yes, stuff. that's yeah. all Toby Hooper. So. I don't know. It's almost like Toby directed it. He shot a bunch of shit. They were watching it back. Spielberg didn't like it, so he went back and reshot a bunch of stuff. Maybe that's the case. Like, because I can definitely see, like, if somebody says it's a Spielberg movie, when I watch it, I see that for sure. Um, The camera movements, the set design, the lighting, Mm -hmm. um, the direction a lot of the time. But then there's certain scenes I'm like Spielberg can't that's not in his wheelhouse like not everybody can direct a horror movie yeah um and I don't think he could he can direct some really good movies like Mm -hmm. I guess you could argue Jurassic Park is a horror movie in the same way that Jaws is but not really like I've heard that well if Jaws is a horror movie then Jurassic Park I'm like eh there's a couple of tense scenes in it but I would say thriller at best for Jurassic yeah, Park. It's like yeah. sci-fi thriller. Um, and I think Jurassic Park was made for kids. Yes. Jaws, Jaws was, not, was not made for new, kids. Even though I took my three-year-old son to the theater to see it. Because <laughs> you're a good dad. Yeah, and he likes going to the aquarium and looking at sharks. So, nice. you know, he's living up to his name. Um, or not, because Brody Which kind is of, Hooper. 
Yes, because Brody was kind of afraid of the water. And oh, that's true. And shit, so. Oh, man, I hope your kid doesn't have to have to get his appendix out. Yeah. <laughs> when they're comparing scars, he oh. lifts up to look at his <laughs> appendectomy scar. I hope not. <laughs> but there's worse things that can happen. Very much so. Um, going, going back to Chainsaw, we totally skipped over. How cool is uh, the fact that John Larroquette does the voiceover narration at the beginning? I know. <clears throat> that's like the coolest little footnote to horror history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It would all right while we're talking about it, because um, I'm a big advocate of horror remakes if they're done right. Mm-hmm. I love the Chainsaw remake. Uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. I only had two minor quibbles, and they're big for me, but mm-hmm. I was able to look past them. It, it's a very good movie. My problems are the name. The family's name is not Hewitt. Yeah, I don't know that's why annoying. the name is Hewitt. I guess that was them trying to make it different. I guess, and you don't see Leatherface without the mask. Yeah, you just don't. You don't need to. Yeah, that was almost like them being like, "Remember the cool scene in Phantom of the Opera, the reveal." Yeah, we yeah. need that for shock value. I'm like, he's yeah. wearing other people's faces. <laughs> yeah, but um, other than that, I thought that was a great movie. I just and have to say, the kid with the glasses, I hated just as much as Franklin. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that. Still one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a movie is when she shoots herself in the head and the camera pulls oh, out. Oh, yeah, the through, the, bullet through the bullet hole. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, no, that was a very good remake. And yeah. I just felt so bad for everyone in that movie that died. Yeah. Like, they were just being teenagers, coming back from a concert, enjoying life. and Yeah. I love that remake because it they also made it their own. Yeah. They didn't... It wasn't the cook and the hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was... Arlie Ermy as the sheriff, which was weird, terrifying. Yeah, uh, and, and now like he the does... weird extended family and stuff. Like it's just really, really well done. That's, I think that's a good roadmap for if you're going to remake them because enough of the original was there. Yeah, um, but it wasn't like Gus Van Zandt doing Psycho, right? You know? But in another, it's like Rob Zombie doing Halloween. Like, yeah, I love that one. You too. have to yeah. do it different. Yeah. You have to stay true, but it has to be different. Otherwise, why am I wasting my time? Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the Poltergeist remake quite a bit. I didn't, and the main reason is I didn't like anyone in that movie. Oh, really? I just did not feel a connection with that family. I just always loved Sam Rockwell. Right. No, he was the best part, but I felt like he was the only one in that movie that gave a shit. Yeah. I thought it was cool that uh, they they got... um, Oh, damn it. Why can't I remember his name? Uh, Richard Harris's son. To, as the Zelda Rubenstein. Oh, thing. yeah. I thought it was kind of how they did in Fright Night, how mm-hmm. they would, like changed Peter Vincent from being a late-night horror host because that doesn't exist anymore, yeah. really. Not in a, not in a like nationwide way. Yeah. Uh, they, so they changed it to like a Chris Angel type of... Which is cool. Which is great. Yeah. And I thought they did the same thing really cool in the Poltergeist remake where they made the... They changed the psychic into like a phony ghost hunter mm-hmm. TV show guy. Which, Jared Harris. Yeah, you have to modernize the stuff. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's um, goes to show you how important and influential he was that two of his movies have been remade. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I do think that Funhouse will get remade. Yeah. Um, I If I'm going through his list of movies, mm-hmm. um, I would think that would be prime for a remake, mainly because I feel like when they did like My Bloody Valentine, not enough people had seen... Yeah, the original. That was a very good remake. Yeah, too. I liked that remake a lot. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, so so getting to that point, what what do you think 
the legacy of Toby Hooper is. Oh, gosh. I mean, we've been talking now for 40 minutes. Uh, we've gotten off subject a bit, right. but it's all been from mm-hmm. this one man. Yeah. Like, everything that we, every tangent that we've gone off on, the branch can be, like, traced back to Toby Hooper. And this is just two guys sitting here shooting the shit. Right. And it's been 40 minutes. I think Toby Hooper, um, is, he, he did, um, what I think is really hard to do is where he can make you laugh at shit you shouldn't be laughing at, um, because Chainsaw 2 is hilarious. Yeah. And it should not be. Um, well, he said Chainsaw 1 was a black comedy. Yeah, I love hearing him talk about how no one understood that it was a goddamn black comedy. <laughs> right, like, well... Um, You're fucked up, sir. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, his movies were so effective, but, like, he didn't create, like... I feel like Romero created a subgenre. Right. Um, because he... I guess Leatherface is a slasher. I don't know what else you'd classify him as. Like yeah. a crazed hillbilly. If like, you have to classify him. Right. Sure. But like, he didn't create a genre with anything. He created, I don't know, an approach to horror filmmaking where he can blend dark humor and um, you can create scenes of extreme violence without showing mm. a lot. Um, and that's something that I think is lost on a lot of modern filmmaking is they think they have to show you everything so you're desensitized to everything. I think it could be uh, argued that he maybe not created but perfected that sinking feeling that you get when you realize that you're rooting for the bad guys. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's a way of him pointing out to people that everyone has a dark side mm-hmm. whether they want to believe it or not because if you're cheering for these terrible people that says something about you on some level um, maybe not that you would participate in that but you yeah know. I mean, maybe you're a pussy right um, I don't know I just think he has influenced way more people's viewing habits in terms of horror and what they expect and whether it's their own personal, I like this type of film, or they like certain directors that were like heavily influenced by him. I think I. He, Rob Zombie. Yeah, I yeah. think he has. Because I mean, what I said about him perfecting the "holy shit, I'm rooting for the bad guy" moment, uh, Zombie took that and just amplified it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to yeah. like the nth degree. Yeah, and those are like. You know, a lot of people's favorite horror characters are yeah. Baby, um, Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Otis. Yeah. Like, and that's fucked up. Yeah, it <laughs> really is. Um, yeah, he's just... In wrestling, they have... Um, it's You're called a carpenter. It's essentially what... Um, you're not a jobber, but you don't really win. But your job is, you're not like a Barry Horowitz job or where you just go out and get murdered by Goldberg. You're like the guy that Ric Flair wrestles on a house show for 30 minutes because you're a really good wrestler. You just don't have the it factor to be like on the main roster type. You're like an Iron Mike Sharp. Yeah, you're a very, very talented guy, but you're nobody's 
favorite wrestler. Mm-hmm. You're nobody's buying your T-shirts. But I feel like Toby Hoover's people's favorite director. But he was way more of an influence than he's ever going to get credit for, and he was right. way more talented than he's ever going to get credit for. And he just, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was because of the whole Poltergeist thing or what, he just never got lucky like Craven and got into the studio system. Um, because I think had... I still think it's Poltergeist's fault, but I think had that not happened, he you would have had a lot more Toby Hooper in the 90s, like mainstream stuff. I think the 90s needed more Toby Hooper. I do too. I really do. Because <clears throat> I, I think there was a lot of good stuff in the 90s, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But it all became homogenized into one thing. And honestly, horror movies kind of died in the 90s, and then Scream yeah. brought them back. Yeah. And then they kind of, around like 2002, kind of fell off again and then you've had like Saw came back and then like I'm not a big fan but like Paranormal Activity got people yeah, excited about horror again but like the stuff, resurgence yeah. yeah there's these little resurgences yeah. I think we wouldn't have had that dead period yeah in the 90s there needed to be something because you think about like 1968 uh, George Romero unleashes Night of the Living Dead on the world no, no one had ever seen anything like it mm-hmm. it's it's incredible just Six years later, Toby Hooper gives us mm-hmm. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Which is like, holy shit. And why? So, in the 90s, Wes Craven gave us Scream. Mm-hmm. To see what Toby Hooper, if, if we're taking that model of Scream being the 90s equivalent of Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. what could Toby Hooper have given us right. as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of the early 2000s? And it's, it's baffling to me that um, Chainsaw didn't. I still feel like Chainsaw is like the underdog horror movie or like the indie, it it wasn't indie, but like the indie wrestling promotion of horror movies because... (laughs) The ECW. Yeah, it really was because it's, for whatever reason, it's not held up. It's better than Nightmare 1. It's Mm -hmm. better than Friday the 13th Part 1. Um, I mean, you're not going to get any argument. To me, it's it's the most effective horror movie ever It just doesn't make sense. And like, I'm a huge advocate of The Exorcist. Mm. Exorcist is not... You can't... Exorcist is hard to just watch. You have to want to watch The Exorcist. It's long. Yeah. It's slow. It's also polished. Yes. And it's also, once you know all the twists and turns, it loses its, like, Beetlejuice's dialogue mm-hmm. from the movie Beetlejuice. Um, the only thing that still bothers me is from the version you've never seen, The Crab Walk. That's still just yeah. weird, because yeah. it's not natural. But, like, everything else, it's like, eh, she turned her head around, eh, she's got a demon yeah. voice, whatever. But on like, the, um, you know, the, there was that big, uh, they called it the Black, Big Black Maria edition mm-hmm. of uh, Texas Chainsaw that came oh, out yeah, a while the, back in the truck. Mm-hmm. There's a bonus disc that comes with that that's a Q&A, or like a an evening with Toby Hooper, which is great. But it's it's from when he got his uh, hands and feet in the cement outside oh, of yeah. the Chinese Theater. Um, but it's moderated by William Friedkin. Nice. Which makes it like uh, the guy that gave us The Exorcist. Like right. moderating the guy that gave us the Texas Chainsaw right. Massacre. It's like, this is the best fucking thing ever. Right. Yeah, I highly recommend that. Um, yeah, I don't get I don't know if it was because it wasn't a studio film, maybe? I, I just don't yeah. know why it didn't, why that wasn't in the rotation of movies. People always say, oh, you gotta see this. Like when you get into horror. Because yeah. it's always, you gotta see The Exorcist, you gotta see Freddy Krueger, you gotta see Chucky. Like, the same six movies are typically thrown out but 
that one doesn't come up as much. And I don't know if it's just because enough people haven't seen it, maybe. It but. may be. And the history of that movie is so fucking shady with, like, Bryanston and mm-hmm. the, the distributor who originally had it, like, bilking everyone out of every right. bit of money. It was, like, mafia-run. Like, there's some... Uh, the, Ian and I were talking about on the main episode of, of the Toby Tribute... Um, all the great document, like feature documentaries about Chainsaw that are out there, and they're well worth watching, even if you're not a fan of Chainsaw, just as like a film school oh, almost, yeah. and to see uh, things to do and certainly things to avoid, and like the whole story of Bryanston and how shady and like underhanded they were, and how they fucked not only Toby but like everyone involved with that film over, and and pretty much like it vanished into. Mm-hmm nothingness for years until right. it kind of like showed up again but yeah I, I wish I had an answer to, to I'm, I'm sad that we never got like a his name was Leatherface thing oh yeah like yeah. the Jason the his name or the Camp Crystal like memories is yeah. phenomenal the Never Sleep Again uh, the even the Halloween one that I think it's his name or the night he came uh, home or whatever that was yeah, called yeah, the, and then the Scream one was good. <clears throat> Still screaming. Yeah. yeah. They didn't, like... Yeah, they haven't done one for Definitely that. do a Texas Chainsaw one. Yeah, I would love to see a comprehensive, like, all the way through to Texas Chainsaw 3D. Or a Leatherface yeah. that comes out this month. That oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Online. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't understand. Like, that should have happened. And now you're not going to have Toby. I mean, you can yeah. pull in old you can pull archive stuff, but, but yeah. you're not going to have Gunner. You're not going to have Toby. You're it's not like gonna have, um, you're not going to have uh, Sally. Yeah, they waited. You know, you don't have uh, Paul Partain. You don't have uh, the cook. You don't have uh, Franklin. Yeah, know, like really, you're going like to have Bill Mosley. <laughs> We're talking yeah. about the second yeah. one. Um, and you're going to have well, people I talking about how many people from that's what I'm saying. Like it's were gone, are gone, we or, never because that movie never was given the proper credit mm-hmm. and acclaim that it deserved, we are never going to get, like, the Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, uh, Never Sleep Again. Yeah, we're yeah. never going to... And that's a bummer. It like, is. Because right. there's a ton of documentaries, but none of them are, like... As comprehensive th- as And it none deserves. of them are, like, professional. Like, not to be a dick about right. it, but, like, they don't have that polish that yeah, those yeah. ones do. They're not six hours long yeah. either. And which, it deserves Which it, it should be. Yeah. I'm not saying like that like each, facetiously. Like, yeah. yeah, you could kind of breeze through three and four and yeah. even the more modern ones. But like Texas Chainsaw 1, you could do an hour and a half on. Texas Chainsaw 2, you could do an hour and a half on. And I would have just loved to have heard Toby going into, this is what the first one was like, this was the difference in the second yeah. one. And like Dennis Hopper's dad, so you couldn't even have him. Oh, you know. fuck, you're right. Yeah, it's... Jesus. It's just... Bill Mosley and fucking Caroline Williams. (laughs) That's the thing. There's like, you can't even do it if you had the financing and the crew to do it. Yeah. Um, That's a fucking bummer. Thanks, man. (laughs) Well, that's just... It goes to show you... That's the fucking reality. It never got the credit that that movie deserved. Outside of like what we're doing and we hear people talk about it, like Rob Zombie talk about it and... Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go home and cry now. <laughs> uh, no, finally, if uh, if there's a heaven or an afterlife or whatever, and you were able to send an ethereal message to Toby Hooper right now, as just hey, my name's Stephen. Right. I was a big fan of yours. Uh, I just want you to know this. What would what would you tell him? 
um, that if Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and specifically 2 didn't exist, I don't know that I would have the passion for horror movies that I have. Or just the passion to... Go on living. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, I don't. Like, Scream got me super hardcore into horror movies. Um, but Texas Chainsaw 2, like, was like, holy fuck, they can be this. Like, and then that just opened up doors to go check out other stuff. Like, those are my two gateway drugs um, into horror, I think. That's high praise, I would say. Um, yeah, and just that he was important more so than he ever knew, and that he's influenced whether or not they've seen his works directly. Anybody that's seen most horror movies has seen something that was influenced by him. So. That's very well put. Yeah, I think I think Toby was also one of the first guys that made me real made me. Feel feel like in real and one of the few still to this day that made me think like I'm not safe with this director Mm -hmm. like he's not looking out for me right (laughs) like Hitchcock would show you yeah you know the bomb under the seat or whatever you know that old adage so as the audience you were kind of in on it Mm -hmm. even if it was a thriller or a horror film you kind of saw what was coming before it happened and Toby was just like no yeah you're one of the fucking counselors you're Mm -hmm. one of the victims yep Fuck you. (laughs) That's awesome.
more time in the devil's book. <laughs>